Boom. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Your Podcast with myself, Nosey, and my co-host, Jackson. Hope you're all keeping well. We are recording this on Sunday. Sunday the 3rd of December. 3rd of December. It's 9 o'clock here over in Australia, so it's just an hour before the second batch of Game Week 14 games. So I suppose that's kind of a, a disclaimer that a lot of this inf- information is going to be a bit blindsided because a lot of games are yet to play. But because of the nature of the draft and the deadlines being 24 hours essentially before normal deadlines, we have to get it done. So, And as well, if you're listening to this podcast mid-game week, it'll give you a chance to get an edge over people that maybe not won't be looking ahead this far. 100%. And if, if we're just looking at the waiver deadlines on that, Monday, 6pm, um, so that's what, 24 hours from now essentially? Yeah. Then game week 16 is Friday, 11am. For a Saturday deadline, normal deadline. Then it's Thursday, that's game week 17, the 14th of December. Game week 18 is Wednesday, that's essentially a week later. And then it's a Monday. So over the next five game weeks, over the next, what's that, like three weeks? That's five. Three weeks, yeah. Five deadlines. So be sure to be on top of the waivers. And that is really going to make the difference between a good team and a great team over the Christmas especially if you're playing a 19 game week or two half FPL draft season this is going to be crucial over the next few game weeks because people in your leagues they mightn't be on the waivers as much as you are they mightn't be trading as much as you are but if you get that edge over them it could be crucial for these last yeah last it's like it's weeks. like normal fantasy if you miss a deadline how how detrimental could that be if you miss yeah. a waiver deadline miss up a couple of miss a couple of pickups could be um, a big impact on your season so Make sure to follow us on all social media as usual. We'll keep you up to date when the deadlines are and the best players to pick. Just another point on that as well, actually. It will be hard to get trades over the line because you might have to do a couple of them mid-game week because we know that the trade, what would you call it? The the trade period. trade period is very small. And especially when these quick deadlines come around, by the time you send out a couple of trades, it's cut off. So my recommendation is to send out a couple of trades. If you send a trade, you have until the deadline to accept it so you can't actually send trades after a certain deadline but they can stay there until the actual official FPL deadline is completed so yeah if you're thinking of a couple of trades start conjuring up a few of them and start sending them out another thing is when the waivers are over obviously the free agency the time period is going to be really short so other people in your leagues they might be on the free agencies and if any injuries do creep up in this short period of time if you're on the waivers and the free agency you'll be able to get the edge over other people as well. 100%. And you will notice that a lot in this podcast, we'll reference it, that although some of these might be great picks, there is going to be massive rotation over the next three weeks. So some players that are on the free agents that usually you wouldn't really look at might be good options because they might get the start. Yeah. I'm going to talk about a couple of players, especially Arsenal players, that they could look like great pick, picks on paper. But again, a quick turnaround playing Luton in a normal week looks great. But they might not actually play yeah. because of, as I said, the quick turnaround and the fact that Arsenal or some other teams might think that it's a relatively easy fixture. Yeah. And that's our notification that some of the teams are in. So I suppose it's actually um, a good point to look at. Let's have a look at them while we're here. Just looking at the teams, teams just in. Palmer is on the bench for Chelsea. Uh, Gravenberg starts for Liverpool. Bowen starts. Kudos starts. There's apparently a small bit of an inlet there. Jordan Ayew starts. We have a small bit on Jordan Ayew later. Fulham, no William. No William. So we're going to talk about William. This is what I'm talking about, just as we said there. Maybe William doesn't get the start because he starts midweek, so on and so forth. 
What age is William? William's like 33, so it might actually... William is 35 years old. 35 That so may be why he's not starting tonight. There you go. Maybe he's even better punt. Maybe he's on the waivers. Anyways, let's get into this week's podcast. We're going to start off with a couple of questions. There's a few sent in. We're not going to spend a crazy amount of time. And as we said, we're not going to go into them as in as much detail as usual. Just because we're just vibing here today. Yeah, a lot can change. A lot this is more change. of a relaxed podcast that yeah. you can listen to in between game weeks. But of course, there will be the usual waiver suggestions and a few more things. We're introducing watch lists as well to keep an eye on players who you may have in your team already or in those smaller size leagues just to be aware of these players who could be high value. On that, we'll start on our watch list. First person we have on our watch list is Fabian Scher. Again, these watch lists are players that won't be on the waivers, but are good trades. Newcastle have a fantastic run of fixtures and it's good to mention it now because we're going to talk a good bit about a couple of new Newcastle assets. Newcastle's fixtures over the next five are Everton away, Spurs away, Fulham at home, Luton away and Forest at home. So Everton, decent fixture. Spurs, the way Newcastle are playing, that's still a good fixture. And then you have three fantastic fixtures in Fulham, Luton and Forest. Fabian Scher, as we know, always has massive goal involvement. Always has relatively high XG. Had a great shot against uh, United as well. Gets far up the pitch. Against United, he had a 0.42 XGI. Always somehow gets in and around the box. His overall XG for the season is 0.88 and his expected assists is 0.7. So he hasn't returned yet. It's inevitable. It's going to come either from a header or from an outside the box shot. He's actually a, a great shot on him. So if you want to trade over the line, Fabian Scher, if you could get him with someone else maybe, I think he's going to be a great player to have. He's a stalwart. Yes, there's talks of Botman and Byrne coming back in the next couple of weeks. So if they do, at least if you Fabian share, you are kind of have one of them nailed. Back four from Newcastle. Trippier, as we know, is going to be extremely hard to get, especially after his 12-pointer. Fabian share is still going relatively under the radar because he hasn't returned. But I think if you get him now, you'll be very happy to have him. If you think of last year, how valuable were Newcastle's four defenders? Mm-hmm. I think it was 10 games in a row. Or they had the most clean sheets last season for a long period of time. And now that Botman, or now that, yeah, Botman is coming back, and now that Dan Byrne is coming back, that makes Shire more valuable because now Newcastle will have a better chance of a clean sheet for those very, very good And fixtures. Newcastle at home have kept four clean sheets in a row. So them home fixtures are Fulham and Forest. Again, you'd probably expect a clean sheet out of them too, as well as looting away. So if you're telling me you're getting three clean sheets out of the next five, you'd love to have him in your team. Next up is He Chan. He Chan is a player we've kind of uh, haven't given as much credit as we should have. Overlooked. Overlooked. His next two fixtures are Burnley at home and Forest at home. I think he's got seven goals this season. Seven goals and two assists. Now the only kind of asterisk around He Chan is, and it's kind of the thing that we were always wondering about, is he overachieving? And according to the stats, he is. He's only had a 3.69 expected goals this season. So kind of not kind of he's well overperforming. that might come back but if you're looking at them two green fixtures Burnley and Forest he's going to be a fantastic player to have in your team as well as Neto coming back He-Chan is just in the form of his life when I see that stat like he's underperformed stats does that not mean that he's just a better finisher 100% and this is something we could go into detail on XG does not take into consideration how good of a finisher if I'm in the position and He-Chan's in the position 
RXG is going to be the exact same. So maybe that's exactly what is telling us that he is better than the stats. He is actually a very, very good finisher. And that's kind of the dictating point when it comes to underperforming and overperforming expected goals. Why does Jackson underperform all of his stats? Because he's a shy finisher. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he gets the chances and inevitably he's going to score. So although he is underperforming, maybe he's just a way better player than we thought. Yeah. So he chan over the next two fixtures. Fantastic pick. Next up is Phil Foden. And Jack Z kind of asked me, why do you think Phil Foden? And kind of for that reason. Why Phil Foden? Well, why not Phil Foden? Phil Foden, I think he's got two goals, two assists this season. Um, and he has some nice run of fixtures coming up. The reason I say Foden is because if someone is seeing that Foden's not playing to our expectations, like we had high expectations of Foden this year. Three goals, three assists. Three goals, three assists. So still coming away with a decent return. And always will tick away. You know, we'll get into definitely double figures, um, goals and assists, if not like 15, we'll say. Yeah. Um, and he goes under the radar and is slightly undervalued, especially with City blanking in, in game week 18. If someone has Foden in their team and they think, I'm not really getting as much out of him as I thought, you could take him off their hands. Because that blank game week is coming up, maybe they want to get rid of him because they have maybe two other City players in their team. Kind of like the Morris situation with the double game week. Like, we have these really high value points in seasons and low. And like maybe Foden right now with the likes of De Bruyne planning to come back. Someone thinking, geez, I need to get rid of Foden or I need to cash in. If they're willing to, I think it's a good trade. If we look at his stats, his stats are still very good. Uh, 63 touches in the box this season. 225 final third passes. Load through balls. Um, 12 shots on target. 17 shots in the box. 4 big chances. Loads of them. As you would expect from a City player. But I think De Bruyne coming back might even help him. Yeah. Even if his minutes are reduced, his minutes so far have been very consistent. Over the next, over the last five game weeks, he's played 90 minutes four times. So he's been fairly nailed in this kind of stretch for City. Um, I know they are still going to be in the Champions League and there's obviously going to be rotation with Foden and that's what you have to kind of accept. But I think if you get him in a decent trade... I think you mentioned a trade with Kulisewski. Yeah. And I think that's a very good example because... Madison and De Bruyne, which we talked about, are coming back. Even De Bruyne's coming back even sooner. So in the short term, with these good fixtures that City have, although they do blank, Foden, more than likely, will return more. Then Kulisewski, because Spurs, as we've seen, aren't the same without Madison. Yeah. But then, when De Bruyne comes back, we know Foden will have a higher chance of returning. Yeah, so like even if he doesn't start, I'm looking at game week 20 there, Sheffield game, you know, 30 minutes of Foden with Sheffield and all City boys on the pitch. Him trying to prove his point and trying to, you know, stake his claim in the team is could be more likely than a player playing 90 minutes for an average team. Yeah. So if you do see someone that's kind of overperforming at a mid-table and is really hot, Foden might be a good player to get in and will always have high trade value. You can get rid of him in the future if you need. Moving on to forwards, this man has returned three times in his last three games. Cunha, another man that kind of went under the radar. By us as well. By us, 100%. Because we had him on our bench. We had him on our bench the last two weeks and he's returned the prick. Um, <laughs> but he's banged four goals this year. Uh, he's also missed four big chances, which tells us that he could actually have more. I know his XG is um, fairly in line at 3.78, fairly in line with what he's doing. But they have, as I said earlier on, Burnley and Forrest coming up. So I think there was a question... Um, who should I replace Antonio with in a 10-man league? If Cunha is available, he'd be definitely something, someone I was going, I would be going for. On that question as well, I had a quick look at a couple of forwards 
that might be available. Let me just get them up. So another player I was looking at is Nkunku. He's not in the Chelsea squad this week, but hopefully by game week 15, maybe back. And he might be someone on the waiver because he was injured. I think for the long run, Nkunku will be a nice pick. For the short term, Cunha, who is probably more available in smaller leagues, will definitely be a good pick. Other players that, if they're available or maybe you want to get a trade off the line, Wissa for Brentford played very well the last day. I'm just so impressed by him and Mbwemo. I just didn't think they're that good of footballers. Mbwemo is quality. I didn't think he was that good. I knew he was a fantastic player and a very good FPL pick. They played Brighton and Sheffield and then Villa. All three teams you could imagine Brentford scoring against. So if Wissa is probably not on the waivers, but maybe again get a trade over the line, nice little pickup. Edward plays Bournemouth. It's more of a one-week punt if Edward's on the, the waiver because they play Liverpool and City after that. But if you're looking for a one-week punt, Edward, good pickup. And one player I'd be dropping off is Morris. Morris got whipped again um, early for Luton and is playing Arsenal and City in the next two what games. What were Morris's returns in the last three games? Let's say five games. Five games. He got an assist and that's the last return he's had since game week seven in that double where he scored a goal. So Morris hasn't returned apart from last week in game week 13 in what, seven weeks? Um, and Luton are, have, I think, the hardest run of fixtures. They have Arsenal, City, Bournemouth, nice fixture, Newcastle, Sheffield, Chelsea. So they have two decent fixtures in the next five, but even at that, Luton away from home, they're playing Bournemouth and Sheffield away from home. They look like great fixtures. They're still not as good on paper as they may seem. Luton just struggles so much with possession. So yeah, a couple of options for that man that asked about striker options. Four of them could be decent options. Cunha in the short term and Kunku in the long term. Wissa and Edward also good. Relatively short picks. Sorry, look at it. Next question was about a Dingra. And who could they get for a Dingra? I suppose, what's his trade value like? And a Dingra has fluctuated big time, up and down, um, over the course of the season. And uh, right now, I don't think he's as bad as you might make out. Yes, he's definitely frustrating, um, but that injury to Ansu Fati could ha- help him a good bit. He's had three goals and one assist this season, and he started the last six games in a row. Played 90 minutes four times, 70 minutes, 89 minutes. So he's becoming a lot, a lot more nailed. I know we kind of shot on him a couple of weeks ago, but since that Fatty injury mm-hmm. and the kind of more predictable Brighton lineup. Maybe he's not as bad as you think. There's definitely a couple of waivers out there, but if you look at Brighton's fixtures, Brentford, Burnley, Arsenal, Palace, not too bad in the short term. After Spurs and West Ham, 21, 22, 23, which is a good distance away, um, they have Wolves, Luton and Palace. So yeah, I still wouldn't be too happy to have him on my team, but it is not the worst. He's still a great player at at the base of it. But there's definitely better players to pick up Definitely. Week in, week out. If we look at a couple of the waivers, start with our goalkeepers. There's two decent options for goalkeepers in the short term. Jose Sa came off with an injury. Apparently, it's not that serious. He, The quote from O'Neill was, he had some tightness in his back, but he'll be fine. It was a back spasm and it was strange, really, as it's not something he had suffered from before. His foot slipped and he felt something tighten up in his back. To me, that sounds like maybe one week maybe one week if you were lucky you might get two weeks out of it you might get no week you, you might not get mm. bentley who we're recommending who came on for him in the game you might get him for one week but it is a risk that 
um, he comes back. Now, because of the quick turnaround, I presume Bentley's going to play against Burnley. So if you're in the position like I was, I think a week or two ago, where I tried to get a couple of uh, goalkeepers off the waiver um, for one-week punts, like a Ramsdale, I'm now in the market for a goalkeeper. A one-week punt on Bentley until another keeper comes up is a good option. If you got the two fixtures out of him, Burnley and Forest, both at home, I think you'd do well. If you're looking for someone who's a bit more long-term, Dubravka is a great option. Pope went down injured late in the game and apparently it was a dislocated shoulder. And I think the quote was something like, it's strange because he's made that save a good few times or something like he's made that save a million times. Kind of, why did it happen now? So I think that's going to be a good few weeks. Again, if you were telling me that you could get a Newcastle defender that was nailed for maybe four weeks, five weeks, depending on the news we get, you'd be very happy to pick him up. We talked about their fixtures. Everton, Spurs, Fulham, Luton and Forest. And Debravka, at the core of it, is a good keeper. Yeah. So it's not like they're putting in, uh, you know, I'm not saying Bentley's a bad keeper, but Debravka could be a number one keeper for some teams. So it's not like, again, the Queeving Kelleher, Kelleher also a great keeper. You're worried about the, the drop-off big time. I don't think the drop-off from Pope to Debravka is as big as other keepers in the league. So I would be putting him down as a, a high waiver on my list. I'm sure there's um, a couple of rotating keepers or even just poor keepers this year that you'd like to up, upgrade Dubravka with for a good few game weeks. If you got four game weeks out of him, I think it'd be a very good trade. Dubravka with 37 clean sheets in 130 appearances in the Premier League. And that's with, like, Newcastle haven't been as solid. Yeah. He's played with Newcastle when they've been a shit team. So they're a lot more solid now. Hopefully he can be he can fill Pope's boots to a relatively good standard yeah even if he doesn't they have some nice fixtures that he could get away with the fixtures a of are in his favour that no, I couldn't have said it but myself moving on to defenders in larger size leagues we have a, a nice few defenders this week that are worth picking up Craig Dawson or any Wolves defender but mainly Dawson because of his aerial threat we said it they're playing Burnley and Forest in the next two with West Ham away in the third game not the absolute worst game but more short term, Dawson, Burnley and Forrest at home, what more do you want? You can start him and just be hopeful of a clean sheet, if not two. Other players, Totti, um, Aid Nori came off injured. If I knew Aid Nori was going to be fit for Burnley and Forrest, I'd definitely put him down there. You know, we have all the other ones, Kilman, Stalwart, but Dawson, again, would be top of my list because of his aerial threat. If you actually watch Wolves, Every time they get a corner, it just pans to Dawson. He, he's their main man from set pieces. Uh, it's one of their main routes. Or, well, it's what they want to do. Um, they haven't got many goals through it, but it's something they look for at every set piece. Craig Dawson, I picked him up last week a bit early, um, just in preparation. Always good. Something we probably don't talk enough about on the podcast is if your team is set up, who could you go for in advance? Yeah. We don't like to be repeating ourselves, like saying last week, get Dawson. This week, get Dawson. But I think we will kind of bring a section into it where it's like, you know, waiver now, reward later. That you have to be setting your team up a week or two in advance, just like I did with Dawson. Now I have him for Burnley and Forest. He was playing Arsenal last week, obviously not a good pick last week. But if you have room on your bench, and this is where we talked about last week, which, which is so important. When you decide you want to keep an injured player... Well, now you're cutting off the likes of having a Dawson, stacking a Dawson yep. for this nice two fixtures in a row. Because it it's a mix of having stalwart players that you know are going to be playing week in, week out. And it's a mix of 
going for that one wig punt and then it's also a mix of getting in that Dawson or all or like myself getting in Olise when he was flagged when people might have overlooked him Definitely. so it's hard to juggle it all yeah but once your team is set up right you have the cushion to get in that Olise when he is flagged 100% or go for that one week punt of Charlie Taylor yeah um, I seen a post Benny Blanco on Twitter he just takes the piss out of FPL content creators it's hilarious but he also retweeted a previous post from a content creator I cannot remember who it was but it was actually a very good post and he was taking the piss out of it it was a triangle and at the base of it was like guaranteed starters and as it went up it went like you know rotation risks and then maybe at the top punts and I suppose you have to get that triangle right in the draft it's harder because there's so many players and you're definitely going to have to pick players that are rotation risks risks or might get benched one week or just not solid solid players more punts in the waivers or sorry more punts in the draft so getting that triangle correct is harder we're going to talk in the waivers about some steady eddies that might be integral to your team so i think you have to as jack said you have to mix it with like six seven eight stalwarts couple of people you want to take a punt on but also be set up that you can get a, the likes of a dawson in in here and it goes back to the point about how important is that player that you're keeping on your bench that's injured is he as important as blocking off a potential transfer in a couple of game weeks time but for the short term dawson at the end of it is a good pick burnley forest what more do you want if you could get your hands on any of the other wolves players that you think are definitely going to start they're also going to be great options as well Next player up is Badia Schiele for Chelsea. Now, obviously, there's always going to be positives and negatives with all these players. Um, I suppose positive and negative around Dawson is aerial threat. but Around Badia Schiele or around no, Dawson? Just, yeah, back to Dawson. Wolves, I think they've kept one clean sheet this, this year. So we know this year for clean sheets has just been atrocious. Good for watching, but not for FPL. Um, Badia Schiele is starting this evening for Chelsea. And... I suppose this comes from Chelsea having no wing-backs. Cucurella is suspended. Chilwell is injured. Gusto is injured. Rhys James is injured. So last week we said Desassi. Desassi starts right back tonight as we predicted. I would like to see how Barry Achille gets on tonight and see does he lay down a marker for them nice fixtures. We know Chelsea are top of the fixture ticker over the next like eight games. Just to see a green, like just all twos on the FDR, Everton, Sheffield, Wolves, Palace, Luton, Fulham. Um, that's from game week 16 to 21. If you could nail down a place and you picked him up early, I think it could be a great pick. I picked him up last week as well, stacking him for a couple of game weeks' time. Uh, hopefully he'll still be in the team by then, but the problem is that, you know, when Reese James comes back, does De Sassi go back into centre-back? Probably. Caldwell may play left-back. There is a lot of options for Chelsea. I think Reese James, obviously, is the number one I suppose target or, or person that's going to challenge him because DeSassi could go centre back. But if Rich James just as we said, he hates playing football, just doesn't want to play yeah. for Chelsea for some reason. That was if, uh, that was Deneen that said that wasn't was it? Was it Deneen? Yeah. yeah. Um, just doesn't like playing for Chelsea. Anytime he comes back, he gets injured or a red card or something. Um, there's going to be a rotation in Chelsea, especially with all them quick fixtures. Um, I think he'd be a nice player to have in your bench in, in a larger size league and starting for them good fixtures and hoping he either plays or doesn't play. Um, and yeah, nice way into the Chelsea defence for them sea of green. Top of the defender waivers this week is Livermento. Again, with them kind of 
I would call them short-term injuries now because then Botman and Burns are looking like they could make a return in the new year. But until then, Livermento seems like he's going to be nailed at left back. Lewis Hall was started there one game week and he's just not in favour. Yeah. Played 45 minutes and I think he just I think Livermento is a fantastic player and they're preferring him at left back than Lewis Hall. Yeah, Lewis Hall playing game week 12. 45 minutes, wasn't it? 45 minutes. They're just not trusting him. No. Um, Livermento at left back also played very well against United, got fairly forward. So I think he's going to be a great pickup over the next five game weeks. So you have two Newcastle defenders in Dubravka and Livermento for the next five game weeks that are going to be fairly nailed depending on injuries. And yeah, great way into the Newcastle defence who at home have been formidable. If we look at defenders in smaller leagues. These are typically 8 to 10 size leagues. Yeah, and uh, you can pick them. I suppose any of these waiver picks can be at any size league, but I suppose we talk about the leagues in terms of availability. Luke Shaw is back. He started the last day. Obviously, United aren't great at the back. They played Chelsea in game week 15, but then they played Bournemouth. I think Luke Shaw will always have a relatively high trade value because he does take some set pieces. He gets fairly far forward for United. He's just so injury prone. And the problem is with Shaw is that with these games in quick succession, does he start all them? Does he get injured again? I think as a long-term hold, if United turn it round and they kind of come into a nice run of fixtures, you'll be happy to have Shaw. He's also someone that is good trade fodder. That even if United aren't playing that well, you can use him in a trade. Some of the waivers, the one-week waiver punts, they're great for one week, but then you're definitely going to have to waiver them out again. If you get someone like Shaw and you feel like waiver them out, well, maybe you can just use them as trade fodder in a trade you don't want Shaw anyways you want to clear that space up for a waiver get rid of Shaw in a trade with someone else and you just don't feel like you're giving someone away but the person that's getting Shaw feels like they're getting a decent player in return I suppose the thing with Shaw is he doesn't have a high ceiling based on previous years but the drawback with him currently is he's injury prone and United just aren't playing that well at the moment exactly next player is Kanate um, so just after checking there, we have Kanate down as our next one. He doesn't start for Liverpool tonight. The reason that it's good and bad for these quick fixtures is, well, does that mean he starts Sheffield in a couple mm. of days' time? So Kanate, we said on last week's YouTube, that could be a punt because Matip have started the last two and there has been rotation between the two of them. Maybe there's more rotation against Sheffield. Kanate plays against Sheffield. I do prefer Matip myself and, and every time we went Matip versus Kanate, the opposite one has started. Um, so maybe you want to take a punt on Kanate. I know we mentioned age previously, but William being 35, Matip is 32. Maybe that has something to play. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's something. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed personally. And I suppose I always have to go back to what would I actually do with my own draft. I wouldn't mind picking up Kanate as a one-week punt against Sheffield, hoping he gets a start because it's been a quick turnaround. And again, you have a, che- a Liverpool player against Sheffield. If he doesn't play, hopefully he gets zero minutes. And you just take the punt on him that week. And if he doesn't start, get rid of him for the next week. But if you told me that you could have a start in a Liverpool defender against Sheffield, you'd be delighted. The problem is we don't know will he start or won't he start. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's rotated around. Top of our list is John Stones. He's back from injury and is expected to be in the City squad this evening. We will know in a couple of hour time. Half 11. By half 11. And they have a fantastic run of fixtures, as we said. They have that blank in 18. But I think if you're looking at Stones, you're looking at, at a season-long hold. He's always going to be rotated. I even looked at the stats from last season. I think he got two goals and two assists last season. 
and he played in that midfield role. The problem with that this year, I think, is that they have a good few options. They bought, brought in Kovacic, they brought in Nunez, they have Foden, De Bruyne. Rico Lewis complained that. That's who I was thinking as well. Rico Lewis played fantastic recently. I think he's going to get a lot more minutes in midfield for City this season. So you might be looking at Stones as a defender. Again, the problem with that is that how many other City defenders do you have? So you're going to expect benchings. Now, the reason I say Stones is because, like, you're not really going to say no to Stones. If you have a waiver option and you could get Stones in, well, even if he doesn't start, someone else is really going to want him. They're going to hit form, they're going to hit fixtures, and you're going to be delighted that you've picked up Stones. That's if your team is set up. If you need a player this week, I wouldn't really be going for Stones because, well, does he play, what, one, uh, two out of the next three or four or five? Yeah. It's, it's hard to know. In terms of value, in terms of player off the waiver, when players like this come back from injury, it's hard to say no to them because you're overall increasing the value of your squad. And although it mightn't pay a dividend straight away, by using the likes of Shaw, by using the likes of Stones as trade fodder to upgrade to a player that mightn't be half the value of Stones, but you want for maybe two or three game weeks. Yeah, I think with Man City defenders, based on previous experiences, you can only have one Man City oh, defender in your team. Yes, and that was a question that was asked. What do I do with my two Man City defenders? You have to only have one man. We have Akanji and Diaz. I'd rather have one of them and one of them start or not start than trying to figure out which one does and playing two of them and then one of them doesn't start and it's definitely only one Man City defender. If you have a Man City defender, stay clear of John Stones. Even he, he could be better than the City defender you have, but it's just not worth it. It is definitely not worth it because you don't know who's going to start even if they keep a clean sheet. It's just what you do there if you pick up stones with another city defender is you have to be looking to trade one of them straight away. Yeah. And that could be literally for a two-week punt. It could be for a Dawson. A stones for a Dawson sounds mental, but you can't really have two city defenders this year. Some years you think that it's like the best tactic in the world. Yeah. And it could have been. But because of the volume of city defenders that they have, it's so hard to predict. You'd rather one and them start or not start. Yeah, because the risk of having two Man City defenders and one of them not playing definitely outweighs the risk of having one and then you having that opportunity for the extra defender space for the likes of that Ben Mee, to bring in that Ben Mee or, or that Dawson for one week. It'll be more enjoyable for you as well because me and Steve are pulling our hair out at Diaz and the Kenji. I, every week I check my team and I'm thinking, jeez, I still have these two feckers here now. And it's great when they come and play that Luton fixture. It's good. But is it? Because, well, what if only one of, them play, one of them plays? And throughout them whole weeks that I've been holding them, I've been wasting that waiver spot for the likes, as we said, of Ben Mee or that Taylor who yeah. Yeah, is good for one week. But that's grand because you can get another player in for him. And we've always talked about using your waiver, rotating waiver, especially a defender, to capitalise on fixtures. And you could, you could totally outscore it. It's very similar to the goalkeeper rotation. That if you use that waiver rotation as a defender, you could way outscore John Stones or any City defender by picking up the Charlie Taylors when they have the good fixture. It's not always going to work out, but I think definitely only having one City defender is is a, is a must because yeah. it's going to melt your brain. <laughs> Next up is our midfielders. In our larger size leagues, Jordan Ayew gets the start this week, game week 14, and next week they play Bournemouth. Again, a player that's always on and off the waiver, but... Because of that Eze injury, which looks like three, four, five weeks, 
when to see a surgeon, doesn't need surgery apparently. But if it's touch and go with surgery, it's definitely going to be weeks. Yeah. So Jordan Ayew looks nailed for the next couple. But the problem is Palace Palace's fixtures aren't great. So if you want a one-week punt next week, game week 15, Ayew at home to Bournemouth is a great pick. And although we did recommend Ayew a couple of weeks back and he didn't play or he didn't start that game, that was with a fully fit Eze and a fully fit Elise as well. Mm-hmm. So that did play a part in IU not starting. But yeah, as Nosey mentioned, with Eze injured, that does bring IU back into the equation. 100%. And we love Jordan IU. Yeah. He's just a, 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 a draft king yeah. because he's a player that at some stage in the season is going to be in your team. <laughs> Next up is Andres Pereira. He has a lovely run of fixtures in the next five. Fulham play at Forest at home, West Ham at home, Newcastle away, Burnley at home, and then Bournemouth away. So four out of the next five, you can be happy to start Andres. Although he hasn't been as exciting this year, he is back in the team, has started the last three games on set pieces. Um, Fulham look okay going forward. They're kind of struggling up top, but I think Andres could be a nice little route into that Fulham side for the next four out of the five fixtures. Next up is William. Although he doesn't start for Fulham tonight, I expect him to come back into the team against Forrest. Forrest at home, as we said, West Ham at home. Three out of them next five fixtures are at home. And I think William is one of the most important players for Fulham if they want to do well. The issue is, what, well, he's 35? 35, yeah. So he might get rotated over them kind of heavy fixtures. But one week definitely against Forrest, I expect him to start. And if you want to kind of see what the trend is like when you have him next week, see how you feel. If you want to keep Forrest Ham, good. If not, you can throw him back in the waiver and look at him again in game week 18 and 19 for Burnley and Bournemouth. Looking at a steady Eddie. So a steady Eddie is someone who's always going to start two, three point maybe and somehow could chip in is Bruno Gamera's for Newcastle. Newcastle feature heavily in this week's podcast. They have all them great fixtures that we previously mentioned and he's a stalwart for Newcastle. He also gets heavily involved, but it's in like, as I talked to someone on Instagram about, the pre-assist. He's usually involved in the build-up play. Now, if they do put a good few passes, like let's say Fulham and Luton, there is a chance that Bruno could get involved. He had them two assists, I think, when um, Newcastle smashed, was it Sheffield or someone like that? Uh, He got two assists in that game. So when the floodgates do open for Newcastle which happens a good bit because they're so good yeah game week 6 a goal and assist for the 8-0 win against Sheffield yeah so when they do win convincingly there is a good chance that Bruno could be on the team so if you're just looking to again increase that look at that pyramid and you want to increase uh, uh, the number of players that you know are definitely going to start Bruno Gamera's is a great pick in those 12 plus size in a big league and again don't expect too much but when you pick a player from a good team with good fixtures, that's all you can do. We know his expectation. You're not expecting a goal and assist every couple of games, every second game. But over the next five, if he gets two returns in a big size league, he's available, highly, highly available on most waivers. So if you want some route into that Newcastle team, Bruno Gamera's could be a good option. And as well, just the last point on Bruno Gamera's is minutes for players is going to be crucial over these next few few game weeks and Big if time. you have a player that is nailed over these game weeks he's very 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 val- valuable two and three points over the next couple of game weeks will win you and lose your drafts if you get the likes of 40 points in a couple of them kind of midweek games that could win you the draft moving on to our punts 
And although this man got whipped at like 62 minutes this week, I had really high hopes for um, this player over the next, or have high hopes for him over the next two game weeks. Belgard for Wolves. He's a baller. And he was on corners. Now the problem with Belgard is, as I said, he's been rotated. He has started, I think, the last two, three games in a row. Neto is coming back and Neto has taken corners as well. I think, I know we talk about set pieces a good bit, but at the same time, it is very, very important. We said that Wolves, the likes of Dawson, the likes of Kilman, are good aerial threats. Well, if Belgard is on them corners and continues to start, plays that Burnley and Forest game, if you're in a big league and you're looking for someone, not like a steady Eddie, you want to go for it, you feel you need to kind of chase points, Belgard could be a good option. Obviously, the risk with punts like this is that maybe he doesn't start. Maybe he doesn't play to 70 minutes. But at the same time, if it's a tight game, and he plays 60 minutes and gets three points and gets whipped, that might be the worst thing either. Um, I do like him, I really like him as a player, and maybe that's kind of influencing my decision. But he has looked very bright for Wolves, uh, and is always in that attacking phase, plays relatively high up the pitch, and uh, plays in like a number 10 role, and always takes the ball on the turn and looks to make something happen. He's one of their best players in terms of quality-wise, and I think if you could get him consistently playing with the likes of Neto, He-Chan, uh, Cunha, Wolves could be a very good attacking side. Again, the problem is that his minutes might be a risk. He does have one goal and one assist in the last three game weeks. Yeah, so he has recent form and hopefully that will you know follow through in the next two fixtures. Moving on to our smaller size leagues and in third place, because it's a one week punt, is Trossard. This is where I'm talking about rotation. Trossard has started the last three games and I think he played 90 minutes in two of those, two of those games. They play Luton next week, and Martinelli has struggled this year. If you look at the, the average position of Arsenal players last week um, versus Wolves, Martinelli was very isolated on the left wing, and maybe he gets a benching against Luton. Maybe Trossard continues to start, but the, the issue I'd have here is that Havertz might get the start against Luton. Because they're playing Luton and maybe they're expected to win, Trossard might get the start. If you feel Trossard is going to get the start for, what, the fourth game week in a row? against Luton he's on very good form he played very well in uh, the international break as well so we talk about players in form and how important that is if you've Trossard versus Luton that could be a haul if he plays 90 minutes if you're confident Trossard gets 90 minutes versus Luton I would love to have him but it's kind of a one week punt because it's always going to be a rotation risk I think his average minutes this this year total is like 50 minutes because you know he comes off the bench a lot but if he starts to be a consistent starter for Arsenal I know a lot of Arsenal players are calling for that or Arsenal fans are calling for that because he has been one of the better players this year maybe after that Luton fixture he could be a bit of a longer term hold I'd always be worried about Trossard's minutes but on any given day in a good fixture Trossard is a very good pick last player that we'll talk about is KDB now could be picked up in a lot of leagues, but if you're in a smaller league and KDB isn't picked up yet, it's apparently two weeks' time until he's back. We talked about him at length in a recent podcast and when you should pick him up, but yeah, they had that blank in 18. Yes, he's coming back from injury, but this is a player that is definitely worth stacking. Definitely worth stacking, and I think if he's available this week on smaller leagues, this is the last week he's going to be available. If you want to give a decent player away that's currently playing, in preparation for KDB coming back, I think come Christmas you're going to be like, how the hell do I have KDB in my team? Seven goals, 16 assists last season. Most assists, oh, he's just a sicko. He's a joke. If you can get KDB in your team in preparation for the new year, 
But again, that all depends on how your team set up. If you don't have space in your bench and you're not willing to take them benches that KDB is inevitably going to get over the next couple, couple of weeks, he's probably not worth it. You couldn't have the likes of a Callum Wilson and a KDB on your bench. No way. Because, yeah, both of them would be flagged. You're leaving points out with all the rotation that's going on. There's a high possibility that KDB will have to be included in your points when he doesn't play. Yeah. Um, so I think to finish everything up, the overall, the overriding point in this podcast is steady eddies could be very important over the next couple of game weeks. It's very different to normal fantasy where we kind of are predicting 10 of our players, 11, are going to start. If two or three of your players don't start over this period, that could be the difference of six, seven, eight points. And very, very often the draft is won by that margin. So one player, I think personally, you can stack on your bench. Two, possibly. But so often, even just seeing some of the teams today, Cash doesn't start. I have him starting in one of mine. Uh, a lot of players like the Williams don't start because Pam, Pammer, doesn't, Pammer start. doesn't start. There's going to be an awful lot of benchings of some of your key players. You can have a great team on paper, but the likes of the Bruno Gamera's could get you the win. So, final plug for our YouTube. If you've gone this far, thank you very much. YouTube out this evening as well. Uh, more visual aspect. As you can kind of tell, we give a more overview of many different players and a bit more in-detail stats on the podcast. But if you're looking for a quicker, shorter, more visual, to-the-point podcast or video, hit that follow button on YouTube. Same as always, FPL underscore draft underscore duo. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you get the W in Game Week 15 and beyond. FPL Draft Duo, out. Boom!